Welcome to episode 861 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, our team, welcome along to episode 861 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you go, mate? I'm pretty good. I'm struggling a little bit looking across at Bevan with his four eyes staring at me. <laughs> I've only been good four eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Loving it. Yep, I'm, I'm, I'm finally gone blind. Yeah, got the glasses. Yep. I do need them too. Because if I take them away, it's just, it's just like my eyesight's not bad, that bad. It's just a bit blurry. Yeah. You put them on, it's in there clearly. Uh, it is very different when you look at somebody with glasses when you haven't you've spent twenty years looking at them yeah. in a different way. Well, the thing the thing, the thing that I'm a little bit frustrated by because I love I read every night when I go to bed, mm-hmm. and I love a Kindle mm-hmm. because I the thing I like about a Kindle is you can lie side on. I've got one that's got the cover, so you basically put the Kindle on the bed mm-hmm. and you just tap the page as you're reading side on. Mm-hmm. Glasses. So uh, on's a problem. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out how I can best figure out how to lie side on with glasses on. Mm. And when you just got reading glasses, it's not really a context thing, is it? You kind of just no, uh, no. Yeah. And, and I, I end up wearing them quite a lot because I'm I spend a bit of time in front of the computer. Mm. So I'm probably wearing them eight hours a day. I know now. you need to get a double monocle. Is it monocles? You know the things that people have in one <laughs> yeah, eye. I mean, you got to <laughs> squeeze your eyes together. <laughs> Be like this. Yeah. And, uh, aging is awesome, John. It is. Aging is awesome. Alright, I am talking is proudly brought to you by. Our fantastic patrons. Uh, Keith, Ice Lord Manning. And that Ice Lord Manning. Mark, the Missile Scudamore. We've got Paul, the Swindler. Tucker. Tuck, 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 not Tucker. Tuck. Uh, in this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. We've got an interview. We have. We're talking with Dylan McNeese. Uh, he's involved with Race Ranger. I was really keen to catch up with them. They had their sort of first event at the Tauranga Half Ironman a few weeks ago uh, and he's also very heavily involved in PTO so we're talking about Race Ranger and PTO. Wing of the week, questions and answers and then we've also got a pro of the week. Okay John, Root has come out and have announced their pro field and they are, they are putting the big guns on the game aren't they? Big time. Both the male and female field, pretty stellar. As I was coming around here this morning, I was thinking... I hope I get to see some of this. If I'm not having a really crappy day, oh, you're racing, aren't you? yeah. I'm thinking the run goes down the canal. I think hopefully I can get down to the canal before they come up. At least I'll definitely see the woman's uh, woman, but I'm hopefully see the men. But the speed they go these days. I looked at Magnus Ditlev this year. He rode a 401. Really? A f- swam whatever, probably 47 or something like that. And I'm thinking well, I'm probably going to ride a little bit under five hours plus an hour for the swim plus I start a bit later maybe I will miss them hopefully I see the females but yeah this is as good a field as you're ever going to get anywhere except for Kona in fact I don't know if I've ever seen uh, maybe you, you, I'm you in are Germany missing, you're missing a couple of rock stars well you're, you're missing Fredino yeah and uh, you're missing like a you but know. you're only missing and then the Norwegians yeah that's it that, but, but you're not racing them. anyway but yeah I'm missing them yeah, yeah. totally but, but outside of that it's it's Kona quality isn't it so you've got Magnus Ditlev you've got Patrick Langer Sam Laidlow Sebastian Keenlay and Daniel Beckingard along with uh, Andreas Streitz Joe Skipper Ben Canute Nils Fromholm and Clement Mignon and you got to think you know the up and coming athletes at the moment Sam Laidlow is right up there along with Magnus Ditlev Ditlev's uh, only 25 yeah so those two along with um 
Max Newman. You know, they're the, the next guard sort of coming through with the, the Norwegians. So that's kind of cool. And Daniel Beckengard hasn't quite sort of done an Ironman, but 70.3 is an absolute weapon. And then you've kind of got the older guard, definitely Keenlay. He'd probably still be competitive-ish, but probably not for the for the win. And also, does he because he's racing so much? Do you think he'll go in a bit fatigued? Yeah, yeah. I just think he'll just be <laughs> just a bit slow. Yeah. And then, but then you've got Joe Skipper who'll be behind after the swim, but has done some awesome run performances there. And Patrick Langer, who you know, the challenge wrote uh, was a year before last, I think it was, just had an absolute weapon of a race. So you never know what you're going to get, with Patrick Langer. I'll, uh, I don't know whether pick him and give him a curse of bad luck or not pick him and then he'll uh, then he'll absolutely smoke it. But either way, should be a great men's race. But the women's race, I think, will be even better. Well, you've got uh, Anne Hag, Chelsea Sodaro, Daniela Reef, And Laura Phillip. And Laura Phillip. And so you basically just take out Lucy Charles Barclay and you've more or less got the four big hitters. And what's cool about this is they're... They're relatively similar in the swim, and because you'd think they'll probably hopefully stick together, uh, and then you've got Reef obviously will need to build a buffer over those uh, over the others. But Laura Siddle is a weapon on the bike as well, uh, so I think there's lots of different permutations that could happen there. But the big one for me is what's Chelsea Sedaro going to be able to front up with this year? You know, yeah. it came out of. Almost came out of nowhere. She uh, no one was picking her. Yeah, and we'll talk about her a little bit later in the show. But uh, yeah, whether she can back it up, Anne Haug is amazingly consistent. Laura Phillip has, has just been slamming it last year. Uh, and Daniela Reef, everyone's questioning her. I had someone running next to me last night going, oh, is Daniela Reef a bit past it? And I'm like, don't think so. No. You know, what she showed with St. George last year was awesome. Uh, she was just was uh, off her game at... At Rote, uh, no, at, not at Kona, so she's just a bit up and down. What do you reckon they paid for them? Because that's, oh, that, that's a big bill. Yeah. You know, when you think of the names, you know, because what Rote's traditionally done is kind of got three rock stars, mm. you know, on both fields. You know, probably four rock stars across both fields. Mm. And they paid for them. I remember they paid quite a, maybe a couple hundred thousand for Maker back in the days. Mm. And that was like 15 years ago. So when we think the field they've got here, I'd love to know how much I've paid to get this field. Yeah, it's uh, you'd think it'd be significant. The one other question I've got is, I wonder how the Kona qualifying and the Nice qualifying is going to change this year when you haven't got pro men and pro women, whether they're going to expand that, and you've kind of almost just got to go and do another Ironman. Oh, because rather there's so many than, in the field. Yeah. yeah. So that'll have, be, they, have they announced how many are actually racing? No, in? Is it still just 50? or? I don't know the answer to that. They may well have done, but I don't know the answer to that. And then you may well get guys uh, going, eh, I, I mean, I think Nice is going to be fantastic. But they might go, you know, Kona's what matters to me, and I'm going to go do some other things and go and do Kona 2024. Oh, do you so think ben, Canute, ben Canute is an example of that. Um, so he's a name we didn't really mention much there, but, he, you know, he has done one Ironman, a fantastic 70.3 athlete, um, but he could, you know, he'll certainly be at the front end of the race uh, early on, but he's uh, deferred his slot. He's not going to go to Nice. You know, he still dabbles in both short and long distance, but he's going, no, I've deferred to Kona 2024, and I'm just going to get a bit more experience and build my way up. Um, so, yeah, whether everybody goes to Nice, don't know. You'd think all the females are going to be focusing on Kona, um, but maybe quite a few of them maybe already qualified. I'm so really fascinated awesome. to see what the Kona experience is like for people. I was thinking about this the other day, like 
for those who have gone before and go mm. back this year, mm. will it feel a bit hollow? Yeah, well, we, we shall find out. We'll yeah, some... like hopefully it doesn't because you want that kind of experience to maintain mm. that kind of the legacy and the history and, and just that kind of aura that comes with being in that race. But yeah, time's going to tell, but it'll be really fascinating to see if this year it does feel a little bit hollow. Mm. Mm. Oh. And also, will it feel weird having a single sex race? Because we've had... I think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess more so for the females than the males, because when you're at male racing, you know, there's, male. There's, it's two-thirds of the field is usually going to be males. Yep. Um, whereas a, f- a female-only race, that will be very different. Have we, we've had female-only races... Well, you, um, well, even well, pro races. But the, the, not this only. year, you had you did have the, the the male and female days, but you still had some males no, racing. But, you, but it's different. Isn't um, it? But yeah, it's just going to be females. Um, but in some ways, if they do it right, it could be real. You know, empowering females. Kind of, you know, it could be, if the message mm. is done right, it could actually be a really cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. So anyhow, yeah, road's going to be awesome. Looking forward to it. Just need to get my big ass into shape. How, how are you going right now, John? Uh, we'll talk about that later on. I've uh, got some work to do. <laughs> some, that's why you said it was crazy camp. Okay, we had the Sahara Triathlon happen over the weekend. That's uh, coming up this weekend. Oh, this weekend. Uh, so I had a quick look. If you go to tri- uh, com, they've got a little clip there from last year. It looks pretty funky. Uh, I was trying to figure out what the hell was going on in the swim. So they, 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 yeah. when they went in the swim, they had um, like uh, tape, you know, like strapping tape on their face. It's like, what the hell? And it's because the water was so cold. It was like 12 to 14 degrees for the for the swim leg. Really? Uh, but it looks like a, 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 granted, when you watch these little one to two minute clips, they're always going to show the best parts of the race. But it looks pretty unique. You're swimming in this sort of stretch of water with trees all around you. There's hardly anybody there. There's hardly anybody racing. And then you're biking, you know, in the desert and you're running in the, in the desert. It looked pretty cool. Pete, Pete Vabrusic did it in 2020 and he won in 8 hours 42, winning by one minute. Tiny race. Looks kind of funky though if you want to go a bit out there. So it's in Algeria. i to say, so that's what... Like a river, do they? Yeah, it's weird. It's just like an, an just an oasis, but looks pretty funky. They've got different distances and stuff as well. But if you want to try something different, if you ever want to go to the Sahara, this one actually looks pretty beautiful, doesn't it? It does. It looks really cool. Um, what are those face things? Are they like little heat packs? I don't know. It just looked like strapping tape, but I've never never seen it before. It looks like they have something slightly behind them. Mm. Like it might be, you know, you you know, like those little packs that you you crunch mm. and they get warm. Maybe it's something like that. Mm. Oh, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool to do something different, isn't it? It is. Okay, that's coming up this weekend. Also, we have John Short Course update. Gwen Jorgensen is coming to our good country. To kick back her career or kick off her career again. So that is cool for us Kiwis. When, so, when, so it's Topo World Cup? When's that? Uh, Natopo is a Continental Cup. So it's oh, yeah. the next rung down. And that's in February at some stage, I think think or it could be into March um, but then we have a World Cup race in New Plymouth which will be it's normally like the last weekend of March or so so she's going to come out for about a month by the sound of it bring the whole whanau out here the whole family out do some training and do a couple of races so the first one Continental Cup be really interesting to see what she's like because she'll basically be up against Kiwis and maybe a couple of Aussies yep. and our best Kiwis at the moment you know, um, you know Nicole Vanekay 
on her day can sort of get maybe a top 10. Um, and, so and what, a World Cup or in a... In, in a World Championship Series okay. race. Yep. Um, so that's on a, on a good day. So Gwen Jorgen's going to be need to be spanking everybody at that race just to say she's back. The World Cup, there's usually a pretty decent standard there. So I'm fascinated to see how she goes. I think she'll do pretty well. Whether she is back to her, you know, back to a really good standard, don't know. But yeah, so interesting the, times ahead. What's the best you think she can hope for? Um, I don't think she's going to get back to winning World Championship Series races, but she said that's not necessarily her target, is to make the Olympics, to make the mixed team relay. Um, she's got a pretty tall order. The, Amer- the American women teams are pretty good. Yep. Um, so you'd think Taylor Nibb's got one spot locked up, and then there's a whole gaggle of them fighting for that second spot. So she'll be right in the mix. You've got her, Taylor Spivey, um, Katie Zaveris is making a return. So... Certainly not gonna not a done deal by any stretch. I wonder if she's enjoying coming back to triathlon. Mm. You know, because it's like she got up to top on ask her. Maybe I should. Yeah, you want to pay for my flights? Yeah, but we had to get to top all right now. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, we've got some results coming up. This last weekend we had the Kathmandu Coast to Coast. So I know it's not triathlon, but we talk about this every year. And um, I got to do the M thing. It was actually good racing. Re- yeah. So we we. Had, so often you don't have the rock stars turning up at events around the world, whether it be a 70.3 and a, or an Ironman, and you think, oh, maybe we shouldn't talk about it as, as much. But it gets better racing when you've got a whole bunch of essentially second-tier athletes racing, and there was no exception well, this John, year. Yeah. Someone said Simone Meyer was mm-hmm. not happy with that comment. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was doing that. Now, I, I think it was targeted at me. I, I may have, we may have said it on the podcast, but someone had said somewhere that they the, the field wasn't good this year. And I was in the the pro briefing, you know, the pro interviews yeah. to everyone in the briefing. She pulled. She she was not happy about that. Right. <laughs> Whoever said it's a weak field? And she goes, what, "What's the pro?" She asked me. She goes, "I've got a question for everyone." And she kind of targeted at me. I was like, "What's <laughs> <me?"> <laughs> it's Probably me. Yeah, but you, you don't get that many pro sort of multi sport athletes these no. days. So it's like, mm. um, anyhow. It was, it was probably me. I'll take the blame for it. You well, I don't, think jump, she, jump I don't think she listened to our show. It might have been someone else. And let's be fair, it didn't have the total rock star. Hmm. You know, we didn't have um, Braden Curry. We didn't have Dougal Allen. You know, Sam Manson's got second quite a few times. Yeah. So the guy who ended up winning it hmm. was close to that level. Yeah. But, but you know, like so it was his year. Um, so to give people an idea of how long this race takes, if they do a little run to start with, it takes about seven and a half minutes. Then the first bike ride took them one hour 37. And then they go through a mountain run, which is sort of like a marathon duration, but nothing like that in terms of terrain. You're basically just running through rivers and over rocks and all that sort of stuff. Took three hours 13. Have a little bike, bike ride, takes about half an hour. Then another short run down a hill. And then you have a kayak, which takes top guys four hours 18 which is what Sam Manson did and then a final bike ride and that's where this guy Sam Manson won the race he did one hour 49 to pull away from Ryan Kiesanowski and Alex Hunt right so Ryan Kiesanowski you know I'm not sure if he took much time off work but he's like a fireman so he's a full-time worker so I don't think when we're saying second tier like they're working athletes they're bloody good um Ryan's a nice guy and and Sam Sam's a, a kayak instructor yeah yeah so so, yeah, it was really cool racing because it was very close. Like the first one and two came out of the kayak league together. Yeah. And it really came down to that final bike And I actually thought, I thought it might be because Ryan's pretty good on the bike. Well, I thought that the tracker was shit. Yeah, it was. Because I looked at it and all of a sudden Ryan Kiesnowski had this massive lead on the bike. And yeah. I was like, whoa, he's going to win. Yeah. And then it was wrong. Um, he didn't. But he, admittedly, 
He looked more tired coming out of the boat. He looked rooted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, I yeah. saw him. He like could hardly stand yeah, up. And yeah. the other fella, Sam Manson, was straight up and past him in the yeah. sort of transition zone. So yeah. Yeah, and then the females. Yeah, and and this is when I say it was a weaker field. What you normally get in this race, you have a breakaway of the top men, like maybe six, eight men. They just spank the first run and spank the start of the bike ride and get away. This time, from the look of it, that front bunch was massive. Oh yeah, um, yep. it was huge, yep. and there was there's some of the females um, were able to uh, not necessarily. One or two might have gotten that front group. Um, I think Rebecca Kingsford might have done. So, that no, I don't think she. I think she was a couple of minutes back. Right. Yeah. She must have been pretty close. There was, I think there was two groups. There mm. was one group that had the elites, and then there was one that wasn't far behind it. And right. I think she was in that. Um, so Simone Ma, she is a good athlete, and she's won this race uh, before. Four times now. Uh, she came home in 11, 13 hours and 11 minutes, winning by 14 minutes, and then another um, sort of 12 minutes back. So Fiona Dowling, and again, she's um, she's registered here as Ireland, but she's lived in Christchurch for a long time. She's uh, she's Pilates, Pilates. Right. Yeah, yeah, she does Pilates and things like that. Yeah. Uh, and then Rebecca Kingsford, who's been around for a long time. Yeah, she, she was, was a triathlete, was she? Or was it two Bre- Hannah Lund? Uh, no, Rebecca Kingsford has been a triathlete. She does sort of exterior stuff as well. Yep. Um, Alina Usher, who's won it four times in the past, getting a little bit older. She's done 19 in a row now. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I was going to say, she's probably yeah, she in, got her, fifth. in her 40s, I'd say, isn't she? Yeah, I think mid to, mid to late 40s even. Yeah. Um, but pretty impressive. Now, we know it's there. So it's a great race. I'll tell you what, if you want to expand your skill set mm-hmm. and do an experience that's pretty awesome experience, I highly recommend this race. Mm. It is awesome. Like the longest day, it's such a good race. Just got to learn to kayak. That's yeah, your if, if, if you could learn to kayak, which I obviously for not everyone in the world that's possible, but it's such a cool event. Mm. But when I was there, Dougal Allen was there, so I was having a chat. So mm-hmm. we were talking a couple of weeks ago about how Dougal Allen is now a part of Team New Zealand, which is our basically amazing yachting team. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Formula One of yachting, mm-hmm. and they win the America's Cup, and he got on the team. And you were saying basically. 20 people kind of auditioned or trialed. Yeah. Um, only five got picked. And I said, I was a really, uh, I just said, mate, I'm, I'm surprised you got in because you've been such a more of an endurance athlete. Mm. And he said, yeah, he said it was, um, he didn't say he was surprised, but he just said the workouts that, because they basically just like a day of testing. Mm. And he just said it was absolute axing it. Mm. But he's got to put on 12 kg. Oh, right, and he's already a big boy. Yeah. Well, he's not. Well, he's tall. Saying he's, fat. he's tall. He's, he's solid for yeah. a triathlete. You're thinking your biggest sort of elite triathlete, that's him. Yeah, so it's from when they tested, he's, but I think he's already put on like five, but he's got like another seven to go. Um, yeah, and the family's moving to Barcelona. What a cool, what a cool oh, expansion wow. of your career. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, you know, because Duke was probably more in a late, or he was in the later part of his career. Mm. He probably saw a good couple of years in endurance racing in front of him, but... Um, what a cool life experience. Yeah. And he said it's, because I said to him, was it, is it quite cool to be in a team? Mm. And he was talking about how he went up to Auckland um, to meet the team. And Blair Chuk, who's basically one of the greatest sailors in the world and kind of one of the head sailors mm. on Team New Zealand, he said, there's a big meeting, he said, everyone in this place is equal. No one, mm. you know, there's no ego. Mm. Everyone here is, we're a team, blah, blah, blah. And he just, he just felt, felt really welcome. And he said, yeah, it's, it's going to be really cool to kind of have that experience. So, nice. yeah, we're really cool to watch him. Because, you know, in the, in the America's Cup, the race is 15 to 20 minutes. Mm. And you're saying the real part is before the race. Mm. They just smash themselves before the race. So it's going to be really mm. interesting to watch mm. him do this in the sport. So it's good stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, the hot topic of the week. Yes. So we carrying on a little bit of a theme. Uh, we had best bike ride you've ever done in the world last week, and this week was uh, the best run you've done anywhere in the world, whether it be as part of a race or elsewhere. Um, Lynette Intini says, wrote for a race. Wrote for a race. Okay, David Hopkins got the Inca Trail Marathon, running the whole Inca Trail and finishing at Machu Picchu. It's probably something I'll never beat for my best. It was an amazing adventure. Last year was the last year that they were holding it. Yeah, that's because at the moment you can't even go there. Why? Oh, just government unrest and protests. I've closed um, Machu Picchu. Oh, really? Just because tourists aren't going to be safe. So, Um, right, what else do I get? Mike Parrott. The Mongolian Sunrise to Sunset Ultra, 100 kilometres through the mountains around the scenic uh, Kavusal Lake. There is also a 42k option. Breathtaking scenery in a remote part of the world in Mongolia. Cool. Okay, Scott Hendricks. Scott in Switzerland. I can say the Levix Terrace Vineyards, 30k long between Lausanne and Montreux, uh, with views of Lake Geneva across the French Alps. It was also Lausanne Marathon Run course. He's got a photo there. It looks pretty stunning. Matt Moran says, Franz Joseph from the town through the ferry trails to sort just short of the glacier with a nice downhill romp back. We did that on Epic Camp a few years ago. It is, um, yeah, it's a nice run. David Rose got the out and back along Elite Drive at the World Ironman Championships and going to the crowds, the palm trees, the shade, basically complete opposite of what happens once you hit the Queen K. He also has got the old Challenge Wanaka run was pretty special for an Ironman, especially the outlet track section, although I wouldn't want to be running in that part on the dark. Yeah, it was a nice run. He's got a photo of him in his, in his pirate's outfit. Oh, nice. Yeah, I've great. got Belinda Granger, says the Moto Tapu. She says spectacular. Uh, so the Moto Tapu, is, they, have, it's a, they have a running race, they have a mountain bike race. Uh, they cancelled the try, um, but yeah, I've never done it. Have you done Moto Tapu? I've always wanted to, but it's just a really bad time of year for me. Mm. Because, and I think back in the day when I was running fit, Mm. I would have done it right in it because mm. it's a real strength based run. Yeah. You know, gently up and then gently down. Yeah. Um, All the last downs, pretty, pretty decent. Steep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kylie Cox got the Hooker Valley Mount Cook New Zealand track on a good day is amazing, as is the A20 trail between Benmore and I'm. Um, um, oh, oh, <laughs> uh, sorry. Uh, but the world's a big place. It is. Uh, Mick Simpson, I did a run from Whitby to Robins, Robins Hood Bay in Yorkshire on the cliffside in May time. Amazing British weather, just as the sun come, came up. Peter Colson, I think he's going to give John Newsons on the way here. I've got to admit that I love the run we did on the Christchurch for the 10k anniversary of IM Talk. Around the hills and back along the water, had everything track wise, and the scenery was amazing. And Melina's t- stories during the run for <laughs> entertainment helped. And Melissa Yuri's got, I agree. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else have I got here? Uh, Nadine McLaren, last one I'll do. Sometimes the best run is on a trail just down the road. Rain or shine, the godly head loop never disappoints. I'll go... I had one here and I've totally lost it. Um, Good old Tim Stutzer has got Ironman Wales T1 1.5 run. He's got a photo. It's a bit like road. Mm -hmm. It looks like you're running through, but it's on the run. 
Yeah. That does look pretty, pretty cool. And then David Rose, yep, that's a great one. The crowds and feeling once you've got out of the water is superb. If you can blank out what's coming ahead of you uh, on the bike and the run that is. Jumbo, yeah, you. Right. Comrades, okay. Rob Neal. Comrades. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Uh, best runs in the world that I've ever done. I've just got two that I thought of as I was coming around here. Uh, first one we did, it was a bit of a run hike. We did it in Lake Louise as part of Epic Camp Canada when we rode through through the Rockies. So Lake Louise is a stunning place. Never heard of it. Um, beautiful. And then we basically ran along the side of the lake and then sort of traversed up to some other sort of alpine lake and then sort of carried on to some summit. I can't even remember the name of the, the route, but if you look at Lake Louise, uh, that was the place. It was amazing. It was a run hike. And the other thing with that run, you had to take bells with you to be careful of bears. Oh, really? Um, and someone saw a bear, didn't they? Uh, we saw a number of bears, not close up or anything, um, but certainly when we were like biking along, you'd see You see those distance. videos of people out running and a bear comes along. Yeah. Oh, my God. God, they regret my pants. Yeah, <laughs> He's gonna be calm. He's like, stay away, stay away. It's like, yeah. So that's I uh, had that as one, and then another, as Nadi McLaren said, sometimes local is best. And the Godly Head Run we have, and a few people mentioned it. We used that run when we did our ten-year anniversary. Uh, just and I was out there part of a your race ago, well, isn't it? Part of the Sea to Sky Challenge, yeah. just spectacular. And it's cool that you're so close to to home, but you just got this nice gentle trail run up um, this track called the Captain Thomas Track. And you got a beautiful run along the top, along a road, and then you're sort of just looping down these headlands with um, beautiful views. Very well formed track. And then lots of up and downs to finish, but stunning. And even the last run. little bit at the end when you go back over into the oh, residential. It hurts yeah, yeah. a lot. So if you want to check it out, come and do the Sea to Sky Challenge if you're a Kiwi. Get yourself down here. There's a trail run option or there's a triathlon option. It's a wicked race. We ran a marathon that day, didn't we? We did. We ran from my place. Uh, so we ran out to Sumner where this track starts from, did the loop, and then finished there. Uh, I remember I was suffering. I remember going up, up, up. Um, Evans, yeah, and I was suffering, and you guys all got away from me, and it broke my heart. I was ego was not liking it at all. You had ridden 180 k's a day before off zero training, and then and then you guys stopped, and so I thought I'll just get ahead, and then I just found my second wind, and I was by myself, <laughs> and once I got on the track, I was like, it was like I was doing a 10 k TT, and I just had it. it was nice. Such a good feeling. Um, okay, for me, Abel Tasman. Oh I, yes, Abel Tasman. I've done the running race and. It's it's paradise, and the reason I love it, it's a good challenge. You've got variety on the run, so you've got these little hill climbs, and they're decent, aren't they? Yeah. You know, you, you kind of probably got what four or five k up and down, mm -hmm. and then you go along the beachfront, and there's about three or four of those. Yeah. And it's got a nice little kind of trail coming out of it, and it's just paradise. So you rate that above the root burn? I haven't done the root burn. Oh, oh I thought you done, done the root burn. I've done the root burn. I think I do actually. Yeah. Yeah, the root burn's pretty stunning, but the root burn's kind of stunning at the top. Mm. You know? Um, it's my favourite walk anywhere in the world. I haven't run it, um, but as a hike, it's just awesome. Yeah, I do like the root burn. Don't get me wrong. Mm. I do like it. My problem, yeah. You don't get to see Queenstown at the top that much, do you? I can't. I don't even see Queenstown at all. Yeah. No, no. Just yeah. Yeah, I can't stunning. To be honest, I was kind of. Trying to race it, you know, try, I think and that's the problem. That's people often say, "Why don't you do these these running races?" Because um, we've got so many in New Zealand now. It's like you can't take it all in when you're racing it. Yeah, uh, you, you know, if I'm racing it, I'm racing. But the it. thing I remember from the route boom was I didn't get the right shoes. Right. So you get to the top and it was snow, and I'm just I had to walk because I was slipping. And yeah. I think I think I got sixth or seventh overall. Um, 
but you need to be very good at your downhill running skills. Mm, absolutely. Because I lost, I think I stood to the top. Adrian Bailey mm. and another guy were well ahead of me, mm. but I was well ahead of everyone else. Mm. And I wasn't a bad downhill runner, mm. but these guys just flew past Got me. No fear. Oh, but one of the guys broke his ankle. So, you know, <laughs> it was, so for me, it'd be able to Tasman. Yeah. Locally, I'm with you. I think that's probably the best run locally. But I, to be honest, I just love my Harrell run. Harrell. You know, Harrell's mm. just a good little local run. Okay, John, John's quiz question. Oh, yes. this week, no, sorry, this week's discussion, because we've got a bit of a theme happening, what is the best swim you've done anywhere in the world? Well, yeah. I'm excluding Kona, because everyone's just going to go, Kona, it's amazing, and it is, so let's try to find some other ones, because Kona, I don't think you'll beat someone Well, no, Kona. if you say Kona, do another one. Yeah, okay, I'll let you reword it, but don't everybody say Kona, because we know that's going to be awesome. I don't think you can beat that. But is that your you? best swim? Oh, yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay. You can't beat swimming with turtles and dolphins and clear water with massive visibility. A big crowd. Uh, yeah. Oh, the crowd. I don't care about the crowd. It's more just going for, yeah, for a swim. It adds to it. Mm. You know? Um, so, yeah, outside of Kona, that's what I'm keen to hear. Find some good swim spots. Do you know my favorite place? Kona. Kona. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this week, what's your best swim? Okay, John's it's quiz question. I think you've done this one before. I did, but I thought it's a rote theme today because we've talked about the pro field and rote and how awesome it is. So it's a quick one this week. Um, what year did Challenge Rote start as Challenge? So, i.e., what, when I did think it we switch did it over? Like a month ago. Oh, I don't know about that. Anyway, we're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> what year did Challenge Rote start, i.e., switch over from Ironman to Challenge? Okay, uh, we've got an interview coming up with Dylan McNeese, previous pro, mm. um, doing the race ranger thing also on the PTO, so we thought we'd catch up and see where things are at in Dylan's world. Here he is right now. Okay, our team, um, we've got Dylan McNeese back on the show, haven't heard from him for a while, um, a lot of you will know of him, he was a former pro athlete, uh, won Challenge Wanaka when it was the long course a couple of times, as well as Challenge Taiwan, lots of other podiums around the world, winning Challenge Finland, Tauranga here in New Zealand, Ironman Cairns, things like that, um, also served on the PTO board as the athlete rep, um, still involved as an athlete executive and athlete board secretary, um, sort of, so he's got his fingers in many pies. One of the things we're going to talk to uh, today is also about Race Ranger, which he's been involved in heavily since um, since that sort of come on board in the last little while. Uh, so Dylan, welcome back to the show. What have, what have you been up to since 2020? I've listed a few things there, but uh, you're keeping yourself in shape? Try and do. And hey, John, thanks for having me. Um, what I've been up to, I, I really can't believe how fast the last three years now have gone. Um, but yeah, I was lucky enough to kind of, I made the plan to retire from racing in November 2019. So I thought I'd line up one last New Zealand summer and um, lo and behold, uh, COVID hit. So my timing was uh, was pretty good, to be honest. And um yeah, like you say, I was on the athlete board of the PTO at the time, and that was just when we were kicking off. So um, as I was retiring, I needed a job, and uh, the PTO needed someone to support the athlete board. So um, I put my hand up and was lucky enough to get that job. So yeah, just pretty lucky in general to get a get a job that was uh, based at home and um, online and all that stuff through uh, the madness yeah. of COVID. So. Yeah, we also got uh, Race Ranger there, of course, um, and I also started a mortgage program business. So, um, yeah, plenty of things to keep me busy these days. And what, what do you do to keep fit, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, I 
uh, I try and do something maybe once a day, but that seems to turn into about five or six days a week. Um, I find I get lots more niggles these days, uh, which is always frustrating. But um, a bit of mountain biking, a um, bit of running. I've actually been back on the road bike reluctantly lately because I'm doing a team for um, in Challenge Wanaka this weekend. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, tiny bit of swimming. I swam twice this year, and I think I swam three times last year. So not a, not a hell of a lot of swimming. I feel a team entry for the Sea to Sky Challenge coming on. <laughs> uh, when is it? It's in March, so you're going to be in, in prime shape after Challenge One. You're going to be sweet. We'll see. Eh? I don't know about that bike ride, but it's, it's, it's uh, probably as hard as a 90k in Wanaka. So um, I'll have to definitely keep the training up for that one. Righty ho, Race Ranger, you guys sort of had your, you know, we've had James on the show before talking about it. I think it was, you know, potentially even a couple of years ago, and it's been building really nicely. Um, but you c- kind of had your first big, big test at uh, the Tauranga Half Ironman, which is, you know, race here in New Zealand for overseas listeners, has a, a relatively small pro field. Um, it's a good place to test things out. Can you just run us through? how race ranger works you know i guess um from from the athlete's point of view you know if you if you're in the race either trailing somebody or or um or being in front of somebody just sort of run us through the the basics of it yeah so like when we were looking at how to design it um we started with you know like a warning on on the athlete's own bike so but what we quickly realized is that in order for you to see say lights on your own bike you're pretty much always looking down um, so I guess one of the best things and maybe one of the unique things from our system was that you're always looking forward and the the warnings for when you're drafting or not are always on the bike in front of you. Um, the actual setup of the systems for an athlete is pretty simple. Um, you know, you've got two devices on, on each bike uh, and then when you're racing, you're really just looking ahead and um, watching for those change in light colours. So at the moment, there there's three different lights on on the bike in front of you that you're looking at um like an orange light is your first warning um bit of a buffer zone the red light is the final kind of warning it's another buffer zone and then when you're actually drafting you'll be in a blue light so um the feedback from athletes was uh basically once you see it you can't unsee it so it's a it's a really um handy tool just to be able to keep your distance and just from observations out there on course athletes once they kind of got dialed into that distance, they were really good at holding um, that sort of yellow and red light buffer distance, which is exactly what we wanted. So um, it was a, yeah, it was a great first test and um, great to get it out there after what is essentially 10 years of um, looking at how to do it. So it must be a bloody bright light. I was just thinking, you know, if a lot of our races are, are in the mornings, you know, sun strike can sometimes be a little bit of an issue, but if the athletes are saying it was, it was really nice and visible, you know, it must be bloody bright. Yeah, and we've played with that a little bit um, in terms of the brightness and 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 also the, the um, I guess the design of the casings and how it can reflect light better. Um, but we never really had uh, there was no real comments on that. It's hard to see at all. Um, but like James and I were following on different scooters at the time. Um, we could probably see the light from you know a hundred meters behind. Wow. Um, so in terms of you know when you actually. 10 to 20 meters behind an athlete, uh, it's, it was quite easy to see the lights here. Yeah. So if, if I put myself in a practical perspective, you know, I'm biking along, 
got somebody I'm slowly closing in on them. I'm going to get, you know, moderately close. I get one sort of light. I get a bit closer. It's, a, it's another sort of light. And then I actually go into the draft zone. And then it's, I think, I think you said maybe a red light. Um, once you're in that draft zone, that's it's, it's, as you're committed to passing, you kind of got to pass. Or is it if, if you drop back again, does it sort of the light change color again? Yeah, so you can go forward into the blue, which is, I guess, blue is like police, you know, you, you're drafting, and red is like stop, don't go any further kind of thing. Um, yeah. But it's still up to the referee to make those decisions. So yeah. someone that is clearly, you know, if you're shown intent to draft, so if you're constantly sitting in that blue light zone, then the referee is probably going to give you a penalty. But if you, you know, you dip in for a second or two and then you're kind of coming back out or... The referee can see that you really didn't intend to sort of draft then um that's the main thing and what we want to do is just give the athlete and the referee that information so they can mm. um they can make that decision and i only think i think i saw once maybe an athlete sort of dip into the blue zone but quickly drop straight back out mm. um and like i say they were actually pretty good at holding those um the the yellow and the red lights rather than the blue and if you get passed, so, you know, somebody passes you, they cut straight in and you so see you're immediately in the draft zone. What What's the yep. sort of system there for the athlete that is then, is then trailing it, which is essentially, you know, that's their responsibility to get out of the draft zone, but what happens for them? Yeah, so that was one of the real big challenges of the system is trying to get the, the units to be able to define order. So when you are passed, um, making sure that the switchover happens really quick um, and accurately so that was what we managed to get sorted prior to Tauranga so when passes were happening um, once you were passed the your light your lights on your bike essentially switch off and then the person who's passed you their rear device will turn on the lights which will show you that you're now in the draft zone and you are the one that has, has to um, drop back. Mm. I'm sure it's a hell of a lot more complicated than uh, most of us ever realize when you've got <laughs> so much going on what 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 um what things needed fixing after your first trial if you want to divulge? Was there anything there that you went, crap, we didn't think about that or it didn't quite go to plan? Yeah, there was, I think there's about three things. So one of the ones is um, we want to be able to turn them on in transition without them ranging, which is, you know, like so oh, right. we've got 30 of them in, in transition and they're all trying to communicate to each other. That would really obviously drain batteries and it just it wouldn't be ideal. So... Transition is ring-fenced um, via GPS. Um, so it basically turns the devices into like a sleep mode. But then I think, I am not can't get my head around this completely. This is engineer stuff. But then they also need GPS to turn on the devices. So it was just kind of like this little aha moment in the morning. We're like, oh, shit, we've done this well, but then we forgot about that bit. So yeah. Um, it didn't really matter because as soon as people got out of that ring fenced area, the devices actually woke themselves up anyway and they, they yeah. got going no problem. But it's just little things like that. Um, we want to know they're on in transition um, prior to anyone going out. So yeah. that was just one of the things. Um, another one was uh, really early on, we the coding was written so that the devices would discard any athlete going the opposite direction. Yeah. Um but apparently what happened was when the pro men passed the pro woman, uh, the lights did just flicker a couple of times because um, right. they were picking up the other devices and trying to figure out that order. Um, 
but they did they went back to working fine no worries um but still it's just not the ideal outcome so that um, the engineer has i think solved that issue so that shouldn't happen again um and there might have been one more issue that just resulted in i think the devices maybe turning off for uh, maybe one or two minutes in about two out of the, I think, 20-odd examples we had out there, mm. uh, which is not ideal. So I think the engineers also figured that out, um, which was just a, some simple coding that needed to be updated. And uh, so we're hopeful this weekend in Wanaka that, um, yeah, continue to improve on on the whole thing. Oh, you're a podcasting professional. I was about to say, what's the sort of the the runway from here in terms of you know further <laughs> testing? Uh, yeah, so lucky enough, we're going to be in Wanaka. Um, so for those that didn't know, Tauranga was actually um, a 10-metre draft rule, which is uh, very, it's not very common these days. It's just that Triathlon New Zealand hasn't actually updated their own rules to the, mm. the ITU or the World Triathlon 12-metre rule. Um, but Challenge Family also always try and get their draft distance to 20 metres for the pros. So Wanaka is going to be 20 metres, and then finally, uh, we'll also be doing Ironman New Zealand, which will be at 12 metres. So over the course of the New Zealand summer, we'll have three different drafting distances, which will be um, yeah, interesting to get some feedback from the pros and, and how they compare. Um, it's interesting you say Ironman Ironman there because you know my my sort of take on this in terms of a business case is I bet your PTO will be loving this in terms of you know making their races fair and the pros are going to be wanting it you know I think challenge maybe fall in a, in a similar sort of basket but um, Ironman on the other hand um, yeah I'd be interested to to know your reception you've had with them because you've obviously got the pro racing but also the the age group side of it and I kind of my gut feeling is Ironman probably want to have their head in the sand a little bit when it comes to age group drafting, which is, you know, where you guys need to be getting to as as a business to make it sustainable, I guess. So what's the what's the reception from Ironman been like? Yeah, they're actually pretty good. Um, James speaks regularly to Jimmy Riccatello, who's the, the head ref. Mm. Um, we're trying to get Jimmy out to Ironman New Zealand so he can, you know, see it in person and, and I guess... Um, yeah, once you see it in person, that's when you really sort of buy into it and you and you see the value. Um, so if you can get Jimmy out, that'd be great. But in general, um, Ironman are pretty receptive. Uh, of course, the age group racing is another whole thing. Mm. Uh, pro racing makes complete sense and is relatively easy. Mm. Um, I think the cool thing about the system is a lot of people think that if it's just applied kind of how racing is now, that there'll be lots of drafting penalties and stuff but what the system can actually do is it can actually just highlight the worst offenders to the referees so it's not that everyone's going to be getting drafting penalties it's more that the referees will now have the information to be able to you know go and see that person that really annoys everyone in a race um we all know them we all know them (laughs) yeah exactly so it's just about not necessarily um yeah, we don't want everyone getting penalties because everyone tries to race as fairly as they can, but there are always those people that maybe um, take the mickey a bit and they're the ones that we would like to, um, yeah, I guess help educate as well. Um, this is something completely random. Um, is there any way you'd be able to do sort of t- target... Would, would people build like a profile up, you know, um, in terms of you bec- you become known as a sort of a serial drafter, would uh, would that data be able to be stored or is that a, high, a bit of a privacy issue? I, don't, I haven't even thought that question through really. Um, but surely you could have serial drafters that maybe have a little asterisk next to their name? Yeah, so uh, 
Yeah, I don't know if you put an asterisk next to the name or not, but um, absolutely, like the goal is that we can actually, if someone wants to see their drafting information after a race, then we can send it out to them. Um, and, you know, there might be like, you know, we could generate information like a bit of a bell curve and, hey, the top 10% worst offenders spent 30 minutes in the draft zone and, and the, the mm. best people spent um, whatever and then the average spent this many, you know, so... Um, we can, yeah, the system can actually just provide a lot of information, which we hope can just help the the overall kind of drafting um, issue in the sport. Well, what do you think um, in terms of you know your, your time to market for age group racing? You know, hopefully we'll see you guys at lots of pro races this year, and we see lots of fair racing. Realistically, how far off do you think you are for for, for doing age group racing? Um, I would say, real realistically, it can easily be twenty twenty five. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone wanted to push ahead for 2024, then I think James would say that's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we we do want to make sure the system's essentially, you know, technology is never flawless, but we mm-hmm. want it to be as close to that as possible. So um, definitely a good first year this year with pro racing. Um, and if we have to double down and do more pro races in 2024, then that's absolutely fine. Um, and yeah, just keep building towards. The, uh, the age group field. I think one day, and this is our, the whole reason we chased this, was that uh, technology will help the drafting issue one day. So it's just a matter of yeah. how long does it take for it to, to get yeah. into the age group fields. If you look at football, they can't even get VR, right? VR, VAR correct, and that's just a ball going over a line, and you guys are dealing with a lot more complexity than that. But no, it's awesome to see such a cool invention coming out of uh, NZ, and good luck to you guys. But also keen to talk a bit about PTO. Um, and yeah, you've had a, a role, you've had your fingers in there for, for quite a while from being an athlete rep, and, and then obviously the whole PTO's just exploded over the last few years, and, and it looks like it's heading in a in a really good direction. Um Obviously, one question I've always got is, you know, how is this is going to be sustainable sort of long term? Um, so maybe sort of talk a little bit about that in terms of the direction, you know, that we, we see millions of dollars going out each year over the last few years for you know, athlete bonuses and obviously setting up the events. So what's sort of the long term plan in terms of trying to get the PTO to a sustainable revenue stream? Yeah, Um so I guess the, a good place to start is that in general, like the PTO has done a, a pretty amazing job to date. Um, you know, in the sporting world, it's it's I guess it's got like a reputation maybe that is in a way it's not backed up by that that kind of sustainability yet. Um, you know, it's got it out there, the athletes behind it, um, got lots of good PR stuff. So that that's amazing. Um, but yeah, we need to make it sustainable. So um I know on the broadcast front, you know, like um, we've had Eurosport in, in, in Europe cover the race the last couple of years, the the, um, the Collins Cup and then the Opens this year, uh, last year. And they were actually really, really happy with that. Um, we've got the new investor on board, which is uh, Warner Bros Discovery, which is, you know, a pretty big cove, I guess, for a, a, a relatively new sporting organisation. Um, and we do have some incredible investors on board who are definitely... Um, how would you say they've been, I think, more than generous to date with the setting up the organisation and getting us to where we are. But they're also obviously got that long term focus, which is um, which is what we need. Um, we had a board meeting, um, a big board meeting in LA um, a week or so ago um, with all the athletes. 
And uh, that was kind of the, the planning for the next two years. So like any sport, we need we need those superstars. So we need to put, you know, time and effort into developing them. Um, and a big thing that came out of me was we need like a season-long narrative. So we need to start, we need a bit of jeopardy through the season, which, you know, could be anything from like relegations to, um, uh, you know, athletes moving up from, say, a second-tier um competition or and then we need like you know a finish you know we need a crown champions and stuff like that we need to get basically people engaged through a whole series of um through the year um so there are some changes coming um in the future with the goal to basically do that which is to create that season-long narrative and create those superstars um it's not to say we haven't been doing that at the moment it's just um just little changes really that can make a big difference and uh I know that the athletes on the board are really excited for um, what is to come. Um, and yeah, as in, it's, it's pretty vague what I'm talking about right now, but there are some, uh, there'll be some big announcements coming in the next sort of um, few months. Yeah, I've heard, uh, I've heard whispers, <laughs> yeah. but, but, um, but yeah, I guess that season long thing, it, it's, um, yeah, it makes makes for a long season, but you know, what's the sort of feedback? Or maybe you've had, you know, obviously you've got a clash this year a little bit with the Asian Open. Um, yeah, you know, it's only a week apart from seventy point three worlds. So, and athletes have still got to try to get, you know, obviously a, a Kona or a Nice qualifying sort of race in there somewhere. But um, yep. what's the sort of feedback you've had in terms of how athletes are going to manage their seasons and, you know, whether they're going to choose between the 70.3 Worlds or the Asian Open? You know, from a business perspective, it makes no it makes no sense to me. You just go to the Asian Open, the money's great there. Um, but, yeah, what's how are athletes are going to try to sort of balance their seasons, I guess? Yeah, so we never – we really ideally never want to compete with the other big races. Um it's just that you know we're still we still are in that startup phase where um, we don't you know we don't have uh, I guess great host cities just knocking on the door and, mm. and saying here's all the money and and what date do you want it's more we have to really work with them so Singapore um, unfortunately that was the only date we could get this year um, but in the future that will actually move to early in the year um, and what Sam and the team have been working on for a long time now is is actually a like a season schedule to be released early so yeah. that athletes can plan um, for like 2024, 2025, 2026. So try and get those three-year schedules well in advance so that um, everyone knows where everyone stands um, and yeah, not to compete uh, with, you know, a Kona or Nice or, or 70.3 Worlds. Mm. Um, like we want to, we really want to kind of work alongside them like we do I think everyone sees the value in having a strong PCI and a strong Ironman, so that's 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 what we want. Mm. Um, just a quick one on the Singapore. I don't I don't know if your course has been confirmed yet, but is that gonna, obviously going to be in downtown? How the hell do you are you going to get a um you know a eighty k eighty k bike ride in there? Are you going to what sort of laps is it likely to be? I know it might change a bit, but how's that going to work? I haven't. I actually don't know. I assume for the age group race. Um, we can't go too small, but it might be yeah. um, uh, three or four laps for them. Um, yeah. The pro race might be shorter. Um, it is, I don't know if you ever raced a 70.3 in there uh, in, in Singapore. I did that once, I think, and I, really? I have a feeling it was three laps. Yeah. Um, 
for the Singapore 70.3, which works quite well. Um, for the pro race, you know, they're going to be swimming in that Marina Bay Sands, mm. um, which will be pretty awesome. Uh, but Singapore are really committed and they're actually, um, that, you know, they're the ideal kind of host city and that's, that's definitely what we're after is those um, kind of destinations where people want to go and, and yeah. do a unique race. Yeah, and the weather's usually pretty reliable as well. It's bloody hot, but yeah, you kind of know what you're getting. So, um, so when are we when are we likely to see you, know, you sort of see the cup in the next couple of months? But is there any imminent announcements coming up about where the other races are going to be? We've had the Asian Open announced, um, which looks awesome. The um, US Open, which looks awesome because it's going to be combined with um, with age group nationals, so you're going to have a guaranteed big field there. What sort of, yep. what's the sort of timeline in terms of um, the other the other events we're likely to see this year so the european open i think will be announced next week so for those foreigners it's monday here in new zealand so it'll be monday that uh, maybe the 20th that week i think is when um, the european open will be announced um and then still working on the collins cup for later in the year um which yeah that that will um, also just come out as soon as we possibly can basically cool and you've got any other sort of things happening on the PTO front you can uh, divulge at this stage? <laughs> uh, we do, actually. So as of tomorrow, uh, which I've been reminded is Valentine's Day, the 14th of February, <laughs> yeah. um, midday UK time, we'll be announcing the new world ranking system. Um, so obviously there's been a ton of feedback over the system over the, since we basically kicked off in 2020 um and so we've tried to listen to that we've had an athlete committee um of five members since i think november 2021 actually working on this new system um and yeah it's uh exciting to say that as of tomorrow some stage it'll be released um i can give a a few little points away it's it's kind of based on so it is a tier-based system so different races will have different tiers um but it also includes a strength of field element um, and it also includes a time element. So the oh. committee worked, uh, yeah, 13, 14 long months on this to really try and come up with um, the best option. And uh, they looked at everything from simply just a tier-based system to kind of a revised AIT system and um, and everything in between. So this is where we ended up. And, um, yeah, the results look really good. So uh, hopefully people can now... Uh, plan their season and sort of know what points to expect at each race, which is um, which is a good thing. Awesome. I know it must be, it's like the bloody draft detection system. There's so many bloody elements to it. You know, the the how many people turn up, what the course profile's like, whether the course has changed, whether there's so much that must go into it. It's a bloody nightmare. So um, it's never going to be perfect, is it? But hopefully you guys, uh, I've always liked the old system personally, but I know that um, there was a few groans about it, but um, hopefully you're heading in, heading in, a, in a new direction, which is cool. Um, what else did I have for you, Dylan? Uh yeah, that, was, that was pretty much it. You've given us an awesome update on PTO, an awesome update on Race Ranger. Um, and if anybody in Christchurch wants to get in touch with you with regard to Morwich, you want to give yourself a plug? <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, they can just Google my name, Dylan McNeese, and I hopefully I'll pop up. Um, I yeah. work for Loan Market, so um, it's some blue and white branding. So if you see that, yep, absolutely. I'd love to um, love to talk to some triathletes and hopefully help them out. And I just want to say a quick thanks to James Elvery for his yes. race ranger work because um, it might sound like I'm heavily involved, but honestly, James does uh, a ton of work for it. And 
Um, he's done an amazing job along with our engineer and engineering team. So um, thanks to James if he, if he listens in. Yeah. And guys, um, Jeff, you, if you weren't 100% clear on how it worked, I kind of maybe take some things for granted. But on raceranger.com, James has done this really good little overview clip. And that really explains exactly how it works. And one of the things we're going to need to do as a community going forward is is really push and demand that race organisers have that use and have this technology because drafting is becoming such a big issue. And um, you know, people moan and groan about it all the time. And once the technology's there, then let's push uh, push the organisers to have it. So so then we can have a nice uh, clean racing. So Dylan, awesome, always good to hear from you and. Um, yeah, we'll get on your case in the next couple of weeks to get a team together for uh, the Seed Sky. Sounds good. Thanks very much, John. Jombo, you did this. Mm. Anything I need to know that he hasn't just talked about? No, I'm just intrigued to know how this athlete ranking system is going to work. From what Dylan kind of said there, you know, you might the athletes might have more of an idea when they're going into an event, what points they're going to be able to score, because at the moment you kind of don't really know. Oh, okay. Um, but I don't think it's going to change that much. I mean, I think it will a little, maybe a little bit in the lower rankings, but you're still going to have Blumenfeld and Eden on top. Um, well, okay, but, let's look, well, I've got the men's top 10 from, is this last year? Or is this currently? Currently, you've got Blumenfeld, Eden, Didlev, Newman, Laidlow, Sanders, Langer, Brownlee, Skipper, Sam Long. Yeah. They've got the right people, aren't they? Yeah. I, th- I just think you'll get that tweaking where sometimes, like, I know... And how there was some controversy one year she did wrote, I think it was, and not blaming her at all, it's the yeah. system. Um, I think she got maybe too, too many points. Or so. Yeah, it's just, it was, the people were moaning and groaning about it, but no matter what they do, do it's not going to be perfect. Because no. how the hell do you make a perfect system when you've got so much variability? But anyhow, I think the big thing with this is there's been massive athlete buying, as Dylan said. You know, you've got an athlete sort of board there, and you've got an athlete sort of working group that have come up with this. So if it's not right, they came up with it. Yeah. It's your problem. <laughs> and you can't bitch and moan about it too much. Did he talk about Collins Cup? No, other than that's going to be uh, announced later on. When? Sorry? It's a period. Yeah, no. It, it's coming. Collins Cup is there. Colin, what's happened to the Collins Cup? Okay. Let's look at Pro of the Week. week. I love doing this section. <laughs> Hopefully you guys enjoy it because I... I just get random.org and I just pick out two You picked numbers. out the right number this week, didn't you? So num- number, number seven, we picked down the females and that ended up being Chelsea Sedaro. Uh, and it's just awesome when you start looking at these things. A- outside of Chrissy Wellington, you know, because when Chrissy Wellington won Ironman, uh, she'd done one race in Ironman career a few months before. She'd won that and she came in and then she just absolutely crushed it. And Chelsea Cesaro is in a slightly different uh, situation. She and a little had, bit later in age. A little bit later in age, she's 33 now, um, but she came into the sport um, for, off a running background, did a few couple of races in 2018, spanked it in 2019, just winning pretty almost everything she did, uh, got fourth at the 70.3 World Champs, COVID happened, had a baby, came back in, in 2022, started off slowly, went to Ironman Hamburg, got second there, got absolutely annihilated by Laura Phillip. Laura Phillip went 8.18 there, uh, which is just mental. But Chelsea Star only ran three hours, which is a respectable run split, but not something you're going to go and win Kona with. She then went on to the PTO Canadian Open when had a great race there, um, really showing some good running legs, got third place. Um, And then didn't, didn't look like she went very well at Collins Cup. I can't remember what happened there. 
and then just open a can of whoop ass at Iron Man Hawaii and was convincingly won it. What's the Hawaiian record? That, was it the record? No, no, she's a little, little way off the record with that. Not far off the run record, I don't think. She ran two fifty one forty four and was untroubled with that. You know, she had a good good size lead. Yeah. So I think one one of the things that uh, both PTO and Chelsea need to do is up, update her uh, website because uh, she's got all new sponsors. So she was with Team BMC, and understandably, when you win the Hawaii Ironman, your whole the world opens up for you. And so she's left Team BMC, and I'm sure that was probably a fairly mutual agreement. You know, you've kind of. You've done your time yep. there. Uh, and I saw, I think she was riding a canyon now. I think I saw her got that sponsorship the other day. Sponsorship th- coming soon. Yeah, and then I think uh, she was in Hoka One Ones, and I'm pretty sure she might have switched to on. Don't quote me on that. But yeah, she's gone off and probably signed up a whole bunch of deals. But yeah, almost didn't quite come out of nowhere, but pretty bloody impressive it was cool, rise it? To, the, to the top. So... Yeah, it just brings a different element when you're a, a mum and you're the, the world champion. Uh, She's not very good on Instagram. No. Not, not that I care, but, but kind of that's your job nowadays. Mm, yeah, She's got 55,000 followers, which is good, but but realistically, sponsors want to see people on Instagram, don't they? They do. <laughs> or, or on the socials. She's like, she's but at the end of the day, if you're winning races, you're going to be making enough money from that. If, it's true. if, if you want to maximise your earnings, of course you need to be on socials. But if you go... I'm happy with just going and racing and winning money from that. And I get it because I, I get sponsored by Adidas now, no mm. longer Reebok. Mm. Um, and uh, I'm hopeless at it, mm. you know, because I just can't bother. But no, it just be so interesting to see how she goes. You know, she, you know, there was there was videos on PTO how she sort of it was a real struggle, sort of I guess through COVID and and after having a baby and stuff. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see how she responds to the pressure and the attention that's going to be on her this year because every race you go to, you now got this massive target on your back and some people respond, some don't. Um, let's hope she just kicks some ass. But she's going to rote and I'm looking forward to seeing how she goes there and then uh, see if she can you know, defend in Kona this year. Now, okay, then you did the males. You went 36, who's 36 in the males? This is why I enjoy doing this. Never heard of this guy before in my life. Gregory Barnaby. Uh, Great name. Yeah. And he races for Italy. Doesn't sound like the most Italian name to me. So I wonder, and it also says uh, on his team website, uh, Inglesi. So I wonder if he has got British heritage or he's got Italian heritage and he's actually um, British. But anyway, he's been racing short course for a long time. Uh, he did his first short course race in 2009 as a junior European Cup race. Uh, and he's just been racing on the ITU circuit. Haven't really heard of him, just sort of uh, European Cups. He maybe sort of gets in the teens. Um, if he goes to any sort of World Championship Series race, usually not. Uh, we got 20th and. Cozumel in 2016, but usually sort of a, a mid-pack racer. Um, but he's done really, really well. And when you rank 36th in the world on the PTO rankings, you've got to have some results. And when you actually look at them, he's, he's done well. he's done well. all right because he's looked like he came along kind of really in the last couple of years. Post-COVID, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so he's had third in Ironman Israel, 70.3 in Jasolo. He got third. He won Challenge San Marino. So he's he's got some good results. He you know like he's getting all, he's getting up there, isn't he? World long distance champs. Um, 
he got fourth fourth place there. Now that was the same time that the uh, Collins Cup was on. Um, but you know he's still competitive with the likes of Frederick Franck, Florian Angert, and uh, Pierre Lacour was there as well. Was, was Israel short because he did four seven forty seven in Israel? Don't know. I can't remember. I think it was accurate, actually. I seem to recall. So he's, he's got the speed. Yeah, I seem to recall. Um, and that's against a good field. Running a 2.35. And only six minutes behind Patrick Langer. Uh, and I actually recall that. Langer's time is 2.30. And I'm pretty sure I Strava checked that. And I think it was accurate. So the boy uh, can run. Yeah. And I seem to remember the weather conditions were really nice uh, for fast running conditions. It was quite cool. So, yeah. Just uh, it looks like he's got the full package. 31 years old. Yeah, sort of, I guess you'd say, at the peak of his long-distance powers. Yeah. Um, but a name, yeah, Gregory Barnery from Italy. Doesn't have any profile on PTO, so doesn't have his website or anything like that. Uh, and when he's part of a team, the 707 Minimi team, um, good luck to him. See how he goes. Yeah. Like, he's definitely, with those kind of results, you kind of go, Name to look out for. Yeah. Okay, let's go Wanger of the Week. Okay, I'm going to pull off now, John. Oh, we don't want to do random.org? No, I'm going to say 49. 49. Did I get it? Did I get it? Did I get it? Who is 49? Yeah, by Glenn home. Olsen. Yep. Good old Glenn Olsen. He snuck in there. He's been a past epic camper. He did a 35 minute swim to make sure he registered for the competition of Wanger of the Week. 14 hours and 44 minutes from 12 activities. Swam 35 minutes, rode 9 hours 38, and ran 4 hours 30. Um, Glenn doesn't have a picture there. Where's I know Glenn's from the States, and I can't remember exactly where, um, but he's a solid unit, Glenn. He's, uh, and he, ca- he came on a France camp uh, in the last France camp, and he may even come on the other one as well. He's done two anyway, um, but very solid on the bike, but a big guy, yeah. and so he's got a, he's got a fair amount get of- Get him behind uh, him? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah if you're drafting, get him behind him. Really, really aero as well, so when you do get him behind him- um, Stay low. You've got to, <laughs> got to stay low, uh, and he's got more, more or less- He's from Washington, uh, D.C. Okay, Lovely guy, uh, and I think he might be coming on another camp sometime soon as well. Oh, good times. Glenn Olsen, you, you are our wanger of the week. John, what do you reckon they're doing over there off the Tar Seal? Let me just get up and have a look. look. Look, over there, they're doing a robot. What's their top bit about? I can't see what you, what you mean. Up uh, Worsley Spur, you mean? No, it's just to the left there. Maybe we should talk about the south of the show, but it's very confusing <laughs> me. They're doing a little road going behind. It's, roading in New Zealand is just so frustrating because they'll seal it and then they'll, a couple of months later or six months later, they'll go and cut it up and then they'll go put another pipe through and then they'll make it all bumpy. Yeah. And then they'll, a year or two later, they'll cut it up again, do something else. The most inefficient bloody thing you've ever, it's just so frustrating. It's just millions of dollars just being pissed away. Pissed away. Oh, we need to bring back Rant of the Week, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't done that for a while. I didn't realise Rody was such a sensitive subject. Oh, does my head in. Don't talk about the roading. Don't, yeah. Dad's home, don't talk about the roading. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's go John Swim set. Oh, hold on. What's the quiz answer? Quiz? Oh, okay. I'm going to say 2003. I think uh, I looked did look this up last night, and I think it was 2002. Oh, I was going to say 2002. Um, it's either two or three, because we did it literally a month ago. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I thought it was like 99. I remember thinking it was earlier, and then when it was it was definitely early two thousands. 
Um, <laughs> it was before I, before we did the podcast. Come on, Wikipedia. I might have a pause here for a second. Challenge route. Wait a second, I'll pause. Did I get it? No. 2002? Yep. It was part of the Ironman series until 2001. It has been held independently from WTC since 2002. The number of participants is around 3,500 individuals and 650 teams. Here's a question. How do they pay for all those pros? Um, well, you've got... So you've got 3,000 people. Yeah, 3,000 people paying 3,500 people times... It's not 1,000, but 1,000 euros, but call it, call it 1,000. So three thousand um, times a thousand, which is oops. you got you got all your sponsorship in there as well. So you got Darty of the title sponsors plus all the other ones. Um, so it's only three million dollars in entry fees. Mm, and then yeah, and so out of that you've got a lot of staff to be paying for it. But you get a lot from the regional sort of councils. You know, you're bringing in a lot of people. That's a lot of they um, must get massive funding. Eh? Yeah, a lot of bids you know, being because I reckon they'll probably paid a couple of mil for their profile. Mm. Really, you know, if you could pay them to get. The, the top couple, three females. About a couple of mil. Yeah. Well, well at least a mil. Let's, let's say they might pay them 50 grand or something like that. Well, didn't they pay Mecca 200,000 back in 2000? And yeah, that was back in the day. Yeah. What, you think they'd ask this now? I don't think they'd pay that. I don't think they'd pay that now, no. No. Well, you need to go and ask them. Let's, you can, I'll ask them. I'll tap them on the shoulder. Okay. Mid, mid Victoria, race. Victoria. <laughs> give me an insight. Yeah. They obviously, I love it because they're investing in the pros. Mm. Um, and we're, we're going to talk about that race a shitload more than, say, Challenge Germany because Challenge Germany, I mean, not Challenge, I mean, I mean Germany is going to be within a couple of weeks. Who the hell is going to go to that? What's Fredino going to do? Well, he's going to be putting, well, you, I, I don't know. I was about to say he's going to put all his eggs into the, the Kona basket because he's, he's not going to be going to Kona. So maybe he'll do that. Because he is, when was the last time he raced? Uh, when he probably did that um, thing against Lionel Sanders, from what I can remember. So we haven't seen him race for. He, he did wrote this year, last, last, year. last year, but pulled out. Don't know if he did much before anything much before that. And he has to he has to do an Ironman this year, doesn't he? Does he? I thought you still have to validate. Validate. He would just take a bag of chips around. <laughs> But he doesn't, he's not racing car this year. I don't get that one. What is it? Oh, it didn't Belinda, go, Belinda, oh, not Belinda, um, yeah, yeah. Miranda Carfrey one year, she just sort of cruised around. No disrespect for doing that whatsoever. No, and she got in trouble, didn't she? Yeah. They were going to change the rules because mm. it wasn't in the spirit, hey, you screw the athletes, we'll screw you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, John, let's say, what's, so what's the swim set? Uh, swim set, we had to do a little bit of a taper session. We've got challenge, oh, I didn't, we haven't mentioned earlier, challenge Wanaka's coming up this weekend. Um, it's going to be cool. Sebastian Kinley is racing, and I assume Braden Curry's racing. They won't have that many others. Uh, I think I saw Tom Sunville posting there's 15 people, 15 pro men. Okay. So basically, Braden Curry versus Sebastian Kinley, you would think. And I believe Sebastian Kinley has made it into the country. So a lot of you guys around the world will see New Zealand or the top of the North Island. New Zealand has got absolutely annihilated by not so, one but two cyclones, yeah. uh, and the airport's been closed, and the flights are going to be backed up for days. And I said to Tom Summer this morning, I said, is Keenlay in the country? And I said, he's, he said he is, so, which is great because otherwise he probably wouldn't be getting here. Yep. Anyway, um, back to my swim set. We did, what did we do? 600 warm-up, doing 100 freestyle, 50 backstroke, 50 drill, uh, repeating that through. And then we did six 100s to send one to three, four to six. 300 metres of sort of drills, then eight fifties with some sprints in there. And then I booted out the guys that are tapering for the race. And the rest of us carried on with six 
time, no, two times 600, where you do 100 steady, 50 moderate, 100 steady, 50 moderate throughout. Warm down is about 3k. Always good to have some swimming in there where you're moderating the pace while swimming. So often we do sets where you might be descending or getting quicker or changing it up, but actually having those pace changes whilst you're swimming at sort of a, a longer interval is good. You know, anywhere from you know, 400 to a k and just mixing up the pace uh, is good. The cool thing is with the form goggles, I can be tracking whether it changing my effort is actually resulting in some changes in speed and it was this morning so that was good mm. okay um let's say thank you to our patrons michael sylvester parrot and nadine flower power voice i think i saw her the other day quite possible she's lives in christchurch outriding <laughs> and leonard's the gifted artist montero that's because look at that name leonard's montero mm-hmm. it's a good name Bivanos, Leonard Montero. Okay, if you want to become a patron of the show, go to www.iamtalk.me. Go through the patron process. You support us and what we do. You're going to draw to win some cool prizes. And, and again, more importantly, just support us, support the show. Uh, if you want some coaching, coachjohnnewson.com. For my podcast, Bevan James Isles, or my book, passionaboutexercise.com. Give it to someone you know is struggling with exercise. And also for other content such as age group of the week, cool websites, and other feedback, email Podcast at gmail.com. Jombo, your goss. Family order has been restored. What do you mean? Well, you didn't tell me what happened last week. We did a little triathlon on Friday night. Oh, that's right. And we had all the... the so camp- your job was to smash the bike so you had an advantage. More or less. Um, however, it didn't quite pan out how I thought because we have these academy kids racing and they're sort of, you know, if Tom's 15 now and the other ones are sort of 17, 18 and they're way quicker than me. Um, but I can keep up with a couple of them in the swim sometimes, yep. usually. And so I took off in the swim. First boys, maybe 100, 150 metres away. Now are you mixed heart rate? Uh, I'm going pretty hard. Got annihilated going around the boy, just got sunk. <laughs> and just then I was just completely KO'd. I was like, you know, you say you hear people sort of cycling squares where you just, you can't, yeah. it was in the, I, I'm, I was just so KO'd. People started coming past me. How far are you swimming? 400 metres. Oh, wow. <laughs> I could not hang on to the feet that I would normally. I was just absolutely smoked. So you're going backwards? <gasps> My God, I was like, God, this, let this swim be over. Uh, got out of the swim, running up out of uh, out of the out of the water, and Tom runs past me. I'm far out. No trouble. <laughs> That's not what a good What would you normally start. expect to beat him by? Uh, normally, ages ago, by heaps. Now, maybe 30 seconds or so. Oh, yeah. Um, so that wasn't a great start. Did he have a big smile on his face? Uh, he did say something because he's coming through, uh, <laughs> but then I smoked transition. Actually, beat him out of transition. This is a this is a really basic level yeah. race, like the most basic you can get. Your gears on a towel, and you get out on the bike. Come to the first turn around. There's not even a bloody cone on the road, <laughs> and the guy's just standing there. I said, "Put a cone on the road." And he goes, "Oh, do you think so?" Said, yeah. And so Tom undercut me on the corner, got in oh. front of me there, and then. Uh, he had no match for the Cube TT bike, uh, which nice. is unfortunate. But it's a massive advantage, advantage having yeah. a TT bike versus a road bike with no aero bars on yep. it. And he's not the strongest flat line, you know, flat yep. in a straight line. And so he got uh, annihilated on the bike. And oh, I didn't much? ride probably a minute and a half. Okay, I didn't ride particularly well. And this is a lesson for everybody: is your time time is really not that relevant. Uh, it is obviously you're trying to get to the finish line as quick as you can, 
But my time for the bike ride was actually not too bad relative to the other times when I've raced out there. Yep. Uh, my average speed was pretty decent. <coughs> Power output is like 25 watts below where it needs to be. It was like 279 watts, which is pitiful for me. I rode as hard as I could though. Um, but I've ridden you know, over 300 but yet this was one of my faster times oh, really? because the conditions were quite good. Yep. Um, so really, times, I know people love times, but especially on the bike, it's not always reflective of how well you perform because my performance was poor, but my time was good. Then got off the bike and actually ran quite well. I was quite pleased with my run. Uh, so I got third, beat time by one, two places. What, what time did he do? How about you beat him by? Just over a minute. I think he must have taken a little bit of time out of me on the run. So did you... Put a big sign up rubbed it in his on face. Yeah. yeah, rubbed it in his yeah. face. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So that was done. McDonald's for dinner. God, that always disappoints. Uh, I, I, I lie. I had McDonald's about two years ago once, but it's probably been twenty years outside of that. It's not even cheap now. So the, the reason we get McDonald's is this, this race is way out in the country, and it's a night race. And so by the time you're leaving, it's after eight o'clock. Yep. So by the time we get home, it's like nine. Uh, so it's like we have to stop for McDonald's. What'd you get? I got a McChicken. Oh, that's fries. where you went wrong. <laughs> McChicken. <laughs> the fri- fries, fries are good. I'll give them credit. Fries are good. McChicken. Why did you get Big Mac? Uh, yeah. Uh, and then I got one of the Sundays. Sundays are Sundays quite good. Are good. Yep. But you feel pretty ill afterwards because I had a thick shake as well. I was like, oh, this is too much. <laughs> too much sugar. Uh, and so you're burping was, the horrible really McDonald's flavor. Yeah. So that was Friday. A couple of good rides over the weekend. Back in the game, week one of rope training's underway. How many weeks you got? Nineteen to go. Okay, so. Hmm. Uh, end but of a goss. That was what about, about this it. No, I'm just it's not this week is the first full week of the year. Every other week has been truncated by trips or public holidays or something. So this week is a normal week, which is great. Looking forward to it. Getting productive. Mm. Getting Bevan, productive. anything happen other than wearing your glasses? Yeah. What else is happening? Well Joe and I did have a glasses date. Because mm-hmm. remember I said you yeah, got cheap pairs and yeah, you ruined yeah. my my my. Yeah. She's special. always worn glasses, isn't she? Yeah, but she had to get, well because we got the deal. Mm. So she it got wasn't two pairs. A deal, but yeah. Yeah, wow, <laughs> it is in New Zealand. <laughs> um, so we both got a new pair of glasses, two pairs each. So mm-hmm. Sunday morning we got new glasses. Mm-hmm. She's struggling with hers. She's mm-hmm. getting used to wearing them because mm-hmm. um, of different lengths. Uh, coast to coast was really good. Um, what's my goss, John? What's my goss? Reading a really good book. Mm. I think I've talked about it, but I'm loving it. The, the Gunslinger series or The Dark Tower by Stephen King. Um, no, I have nothing. My no. daughter, oh no, I got so my daughter's coming home. Mm-hmm. Next week after the show, my daughter mm-hmm. arrives. Nice. You arranged that nicely. Yeah. Yeah, well, my mum did actually, but it worked yeah. out well. Um, and then we're going to go to Tikapo and do Mount Cook and stuff. We're not, we're not You're doing not them all the heart. Did my head in that one, did why is my family my family my family are fit yeah you know my mum my mum's ran marathons my mum's still a very very fit woman for her age mm-hmm. Joe and I are mm-hmm. the one percent of fittest in the country mm-hmm. you know and my daughter's an active kid you know she's goes to the gym every day still hurts <laughs> why can't we do this walk, walk. <laughs> it's my head in <laughs> the, uh, the middle of the, the not staying in a bunk room with 20 people is not that appealing it's not have you done that oh yeah multiple times what's it like it's not great you don't sleep yeah. well no. There's always the so snorer? You, you go in there with the ex- expectation. You need earplugs. Oh, you do wear uh, earplugs? Yeah. And you need to know it's going to be a shit night's sleep and you just accept that going. It's only going to be for two nights. I don't know how people do multiple multiple night tramping. 
But uh, yeah, if you do the great walks in New Zealand, the bunk rooms, yeah, anywhere from 10 to 20 people. And it's, um, yeah, it's a restless night's sleep. Yeah, so the, I, I understand that. But the mm. rest of it, why, did we, why were we weak? <laughs> Being in Isles means something. It doesn't yeah. mean weakness. <laughs> yeah. Bloody hell. So yeah, so look, and just see my daughter. That's the only downfall. My daughter's doing so. My daughter's coming to this beautiful young woman, and she's just killing life. She's just a really awesome person, and I'm really proud of her. And she's making good decisions, and and all the rest of it. But I don't get to see much of her. Mm-hmm. So because she lives in Australia, and I don't think she's ever coming home. So it'd be mm-hmm. nice to hang out with my girl. And then uh, we played on Monopoly cards. And she, well, like, when we were in Australia, she won the final game, so she's the champion. Monopoly deal. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to mm. rectify that. Mm. My daughter's actually quite cunning because I'm a big. When I, you, you play games with me, man, I'm a talker. Mm. Mm. I don't shut up, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of trying to manipulate the game. Mm-hmm. You know, because I remember I told You're giving you giving away your secrets here. Yeah? Well, remember I told you how my girlfriend tried to kill me after the game of Risk. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you haven't heard this story, so years and years ago, Raylene, who I'm no longer with, no <laughs> surprise there, and uh, we were playing a game of Risk. And I came back from, I only had one man on Madagascar. That's right, yeah. <laughs> one man on Madagascar. <laughs> so basically, I'm out of the game. And I just talked my way. I said, guys, just let me stay in the game. Yeah. And I came back and won the game. Yeah. And she took that as representing our relationship. <laughs> so then when we were driving home, she kicks me out of the car, tries to drive over me with the car. <laughs> it was not a good night. <laughs> So, so, so my, I talk and I try to manipulate and I give advice, which maybe helps my game. Yeah. And uh, but my daughter just shuts up. Yeah, I don't focus. And, and she's not a. My daughter's a talker. Mm. You know, so she shuts up and, and plays the cards. And I'm mm. so I've got to be going to this all year. What's your mm. What's your strategy when you're playing? Monopoly deal. Uh, you got to hold things back a bit there. Yeah. Just got to be a little bit sneaky. Are you a talker when you're playing? No, no, I'd be, I'd be like your daughter. It'd be the kind of silence in the room. But when you, when you get the big wind in your face, do they know about it? No, just nice little subtle smile. Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll know. A few cheeky cuts, comments. Cuts pretty deep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who's the worst loser in your family? Uh, Thomas. Oh, really? Mm, no doubt about that. <laughs> you often don't. Sometimes don't get to the end of the game. Oh, really? It's like, <laughs> My dad's like that. Throw yeah. the board. Throw the game. <laughs> Screw this. <laughs> Drop a few f bombs in there. <laughs> My dad just fuck this. <laughs> yeah, you get plenty of that. My my, my brother in law Joel, mm. when you play Monopoly with him, he plays like a different game because mm. he'll do things like he'll go, "How about you and I go halves in in um, Mafia?" Mm. So we will go halves in it. We've got a deal where we get fifty percent of the profit and stuff. Never done that before. Yeah, he does Is options. That legal? Is that well, legit? It doesn't say you can't do it. Yeah. So it's quite interesting playing with him because he plays in quite different games. So, you know, that's what happens in our family when we play games. Nice. Right, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Minot. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.